Wild accusations of hexes and curses. Whispers of witchcraft swirling around a provincial town. Lives lost or forever changed due to superstition. No, it's not Massachusetts in the 1690s. It's Pennsylvania in 1928. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey. Crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your host, Christy and Scott. Hey, it's Old Timey Crimey. Hey. I'm Christy. Hey, <laughs> I'm Scott. <laughs> I am I am doped up to the gills on so many medications, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I've never taken this many medications in my life, and I'm having a blast with it. <laughs> it's so much fun. It is. How's your week been, bud? It's been pretty good. Um, the one blip was uh, I had to take Hemingway to the vet just for his normal, you know, like... Mm-hmm feline leukemia shot and everything. I just pictured the vet going, wait a minute, this cat has thumbs. <laughs> that was that was part of it because we also got his nails clipped. So wait, do they charge you extra? No, they don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I didn't look at the bill and compare it with when we got squeak done. But, okay. but yeah, it's rough taking him there because you you know Hemingway. He is the sweetest, lovingest cat. He just is oh, so happy all the time. He's just happy to exist. And you take him to the vet and he turns into this furry monster from the bowels of hell he's like satan's lap cat all of a sudden he is hissing he is growling he is spitting he is making horrifying noises does he claw um well he i think he got someone last year he, okay. he, 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 he drew some blood last year but uh so you know, normally like the vet will like take the cat out of the room to to do like you know the shot and the the nail clippings mm-hmm. nope nope it was hard enough just getting him off the floor like where he was hiding under the stools and onto the, the examination table. So she actually called the vet tech in oh, no. <laughs> to help and hold him down. And we had him like wrapped in a towel and the vet tech's like massaging his shoulders and we're all talking to him really nicely like this. Oh, we are doing so well. Like he can understand us. And he, it was just, it was just a wild ride from beginning to end. And at one point I was like, is there medication that can help with this? And I mean, for both him and I, yeah. and the vet tech was like, and for me, please. <laughs> it was like, oh, don't worry. We'll share with the class. <laughs> Have you ever seen the videos of the vets that take the, the paper binders Mm-mm. and they clip them between the shoulder blades and the cat, it's just like their pause button. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's like those big black ones. The ones that you used to get in like whenever you got the like the printer refill uh kits okay they gave you like a big black one to like squeeze the printer cartridge there is uh there are videos of vets like putting these binders on the back of the cats and i guess it mimics the mother picking the kitten up and the cat just goes well (laughs) and just down to the ground they go thud and they're completely docile well, uh, that was not uh, that was not Hemingway. Uh, they were doing the, the shoulder massage, which was new to me. I'd never mm-hmm. seen them them use that before, so that was that was interesting to see. But yeah, I brought him home and I gave him some some wet cat food as a little little treat because I, I, I wasn't sure if I was like encouraging the bad behavior or just maybe making him think, you know, oh maybe you know I get something nice afterwards, so it's not so bad. Yeah. Or he he just won't remember. But they gave me some uh, some medicine for him uh, for next year. Aww. <laughs> Or just the next time we have to take him to the vet. So Kitty Xanax. I just yeah, I just need to find my meds for that because it's an adventure. It's like so. I, I was finishing up, like they finished up, and I'm like gathering him up, and I'm like, yes, we both have PTSD from this. Aww. I know. <laughs> like, cause I hate seeing him like that. You know, so Understood. terrified. So yeah. So yeah. How's your week? 
it's not been the best, but I guess, you know, it's it's one of those deals where it could have been a lot worse. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to look at it as like, I'm thankful that it wasn't a lot worse. I found a lump on my side in the shower on Sunday. I had a doctor's appointment Tuesday, but by that time it had grown into this thing that looked like a brain on the side <laughs> of me. About the size of my fist. Oh. Looked like a brain. Even had the little wrinkles through it. That's so scary. It was frightening. It was absolutely frightening. And the only thing this brain would think is, I'm going to hurt you. And it did. And I get to the uh, get to the doctors. I, I'm lucky that I had the doctor's appointment already set up. It was for my weight loss. Down six pounds. Woo! Surgery in November. And uh, and then they look at it and I go, I go, I've got something very disgusting. Can you take a look at it? And of course, it has to be an attractive physician's assistant. Of, of course. course. Oh, hey, Molly. You're very nice. I would like to take you out on a date if you weren't already married. Let me show you this lump that's thinking. Because I can, <laughs> you can actually see this lump thinking. And, uh, and she goes, oh. She goes, how long has this been there? I go, since, uh, since Monday. She goes, Monday? It's Tuesday at this mm. point. I go, well, it started to hurt Monday. It was there, it was there on Sunday. She goes, yeah, this is cellulitis. And I'm here to tell you cellulitis ain't no fucking joke. So they have me on, uh, they have me on these very, very strong, uh, antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, I have to take them four times a day. They impede my thought process and make me very sleepy. But they do nothing for pain, and I got nothing for pain. So Uh-oh. I'm in an immense amount of pain. Oh, I bet. Yay. Do you think maybe somebody put a hex on you? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Who who might have put a hex on me? Was it some of the local Pennsylvania Deutsch? I mean, we are in Pennsylvania. That's right. I think I better go to a psychic and have them tell me who to murder. With a dollar bill. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, that's our little. <laughs> I'm gonna take out a dollar bill. <laughs> I'm gonna put it right by the computer, and if the face changes at any time, and you'll see where this is going, I'm gonna put it right by next to the old tiny crimey sloth, <laughs> Sir Slothington. <laughs> and uh, if that face changes, holy shit, it's Barbara Bush. No, oh god. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, this week we're doing, it's uh, called the Hex Hollow Murders. It was a suggestion from a friend of the show, Jamie, uh, also known as uh, Deer Spine, <laughs> maker of Deer Spines. Um, so, yeah, it's the Hex Hollow Murders. It happened in 1928 in a little town. It's kind of near, I guess the nearest big city would be York. York. It's, it's not terribly close. Um, but, yeah, York, Pennsylvania. Thank you for the peppermint patties. We appreciate them. <laughs> Is that where they come from? Uh, probably not. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised with Hershey also being in Pennsylvania, you know? That's true. That's true. We'll find out. Yeah. Somebody tell us on Twitter. Somebody with knowledge of York or um, Google also is an option. So you had this um, this nice, as far as I can tell, nobody had really a bad word to say about him, this nice gentleman, uh, Nelson Raymeyer. Um uh, he was uh, the son of uh, German immigrants. They came from Uchte, Germany in the 1840s and uh, bought 96 acres in Pennsylvania that became known as Raymeyer's Hollow. I think the worst thing anybody said about him was that he could conjure Beelzebub. Well, I mean, yeah, there's that. But, I mean, who can't you say that about? That's true. That's true. <laughs> I would I would love to see some, like, proof, like old, like, old black and white photos of Beelzebub mowing the lawn. 
<laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I, if if anybody, I don't care if it's Satan himself, if he'd mow the lawn at like, you know, I'd give him like 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure, that's work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Satan, mow my lawn. <laughs> be able to mow out there harvesting potatoes. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Because uh, Nelson Raymeyer, he ended up having a, a nice potato farm. And I, I fully support that. I love potatoes. Farm all those potatoes. They're good stuff. I'm a fan of starch. Not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. I, I once had a day when I ate nothing but potatoes. I had I had hash browns for breakfast, french fries for lunch, and mashed potatoes for dinner. Let's <laughs> let's not forget the joy that is tater tots. Tater tots are amazing. Tater yes. tots are yes. fantastic. Tater tot day in like elementary school was just, it was like only it was second only to pizza day. I can't decide if I want hash browns or french fries and God went have both. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, Nelson Raymeyer, pretty nice guy, but kind of introverted, but also very um, giving to the the community of of his services. Not necessarily with potatoes, but with something called powwowing, also known as brokar or brokaria. Yes. yes. Very similar to voodoo. In the sense that voodoo isn't its own religion. It comes from a South African, and I've heard this pronounced many ways. I've heard it pronounced vadoon. I've heard it pronounced udun. Okay. Uh, and I, the people who have the most intelligence, I heard voodoon mostly, but it seems like the people that have the most intelligence pronounced it udun. So you have essentially these marriage of two different religions. You yes. have udun, you have Roman Catholicism, boom, voodoo. Here you have folk magic, you have herbal home remedies, mm -hmm. and Christianity. So, yeah, all together, they make powwow. Yes, exactly. And I did a little research into this. I actually did some reading. The, one of the main texts is, um, what is it, The Long Lost Friend? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I did some, some research into this because I wanted to um, read about some of the spells. I wanted to get some examples of some of the spells you know, remedies, whatever you want to call them. Um, so I have some stuff here. Before I get into it, uh, I also delved into a a paper about modern day practitioners of powwowing. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it said uh, there's about eight to 12 people still known to be practicing in, you know, southeastern and south central Pennsylvania. Um, a lot of them don't want to come forward um, because it's kind of seen as it's like old duchy sort of, which is very different from being old douchey. Yeah. Um, I like the cigars, the old duchies. They're great. Yes. Yes. So there are... They make good blunt wrappers. <laughs> so there are two, however, that are kind of pretty open about it. One of them, her name is Janine Treyer. Hey, Janine. I know you're listening because I know you probably have like Google ad a Google alert set up for powwow. Are you ready for this? Okay. Do you want to know what her alias is? Please. Silver fucking raven wolf. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. You're kidding. Author of To Ride a Silver Broomstick. Silver fucking raven wolf. Silver fucking raven wolf. Silver fucking raven wolf. Silver fucking raven wolf. Fuck. I, I literally wrote it down like that in my notes. Silver, Silver fucking, fucking raven, raven wolf. Ignore my... the shakes. Too much caffeine. That's okay. <laughs> I freaked out and was like texting Jackson. I was like, oh my God. Silver fucking raven wolf <laughs> yes. is a powwow. Why? I, so I did some spells or whatever you want to call them from To Ride a Silver Broomstick mm -hmm. in my like... I don't know, preteen, early teen, somewhere around there. So I have done some powwowing. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Now, here's the thing. My dad did some powwowing. Oh. So my dad, he, you know, born and raised Pennsylvania. 
Um, he would do this thing. I, he never called it powwowing, but whenever I started to research stuff like this, I realized what he did was powwowing. I burned my finger once, and he said, come here. He goes, I'm going to blow the fire out of it. And he got in front of my finger, whispered something to it, hmm. blew on it, and it hurt just as bad as the time before. <laughs> Did nothing. But you don't want to disappoint your father. So 10-year-old me went, yeah, it does feel a little better, I guess. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's I, I and your father have both practiced some, some powwowing yeah. or powwowers. And there was another book used called The Sixth Book of Moses. And you, you can still find this today. The Sixth and Seventh Book of Moses that my dad was absolutely terrified of. Yeah, the, even in the, uh, the the article I read, there are people who said, you know, like, I wouldn't touch it, um, yeah. even if it, you put it in front of me, because, you know, superstition. Yeah, well, it was more than superstition in my dad's case. He said that there was another, and once again, he never used the word, but I'm just going to use it for brevity's sake, practitioner of powwow in Salisbury. Mm-hmm. And he, the story goes that he was in love with this woman. And the woman did not reciprocate the feelings back. So he went out and supposedly chanted the spell from the 6th and 7th book of Moses. And you got to remember, this was like 1920s. And the bulls went nuts and tore up the woman's field. Oh my God. And eventually it it was a thing where, and how much of this is true, I don't know. The woman eventually relented and married him. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah. And my dad always said, "Do if you find a copy of it, don't burn it. Because mm-hmm. he said, if you burn it, your house will burn down. Bury it instead. And I, I, that was one thing I've seen in here. There was a lot of bury, bury, Yeah, burying, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's some, some burning, too. Yes. Um, so, so, yeah. But uh, some... Some fun spells for you. Okay. Um, I think we should do like two or three of them and then report the results back in a couple of weeks. Well, do you happen to have an overactive bladder? Uh, I've I've got a wound on my side of cellulitis that's peeing constantly. Oh, I've, got, I've got wounded for you. Okay. Um, all right. So first, overactive bladder. Uh, you burn a hog's bladder and then eat the ashes. No. Yeah, yeah. I've got my I've got my pocket of no fucking thank yous. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring it up for that. Where do you even get a hog's bladder? Walmart doesn't sell it. <laughs> yeah, the, you'll find those at your local grocery store. I wonder if Amazon Prime would be able to deliver that to me in 24 hours. We should take a look. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you're wounded, you repeat, "Blood, thou must stop until the Virgin Mary bring forth another son." No, I don't think I'm doing that. It's not really a wound, it's an infection. Yeah. It just happens to be leaking. Pleasant dreams, everyone. Yeah. Um, kidney stones. Okay. Eat seven peach stones, so peach pits, every morning before eating anything else. That sounds like it'd be painful to pass. Yes, it does, doesn't it? At that point, <laughs> if you're eating seven, if you're eating seven peach stones... And you have to pass them anally. I think you're just used to the pain of passing a kidney stone normally. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, you're, you're just getting more pain. Yeah. So I guess you're distracting yourself from the kidney stone, maybe? I guess so. I don't know. Um, here was my favorite for, for whooping cough. All right. Okay. We have two different possible remedies for this. The first one is to cut three small bunches of hair from the head of a child that's never seen its father. Oh. That poor neighborhood bastard. <laughs> Every single time somebody gets whooping cough, here comes the local powwower down to chop some more of his hair. And he's just got, like, tufts sticking out. Poor fucking bald orphan. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. Oh my God. That I was. Yeah, that was another one. I was texting Jackson. Or okay. if you can't find a, an orphan or a, a child that's never seen its father, you make one. You <laughs> get a woman pregnant and then never come around and just send your assistant. To collect the hair. That seems like a long period of time to go for whooping cough. I'm imagining true. that it would have resolved itself one way or the other by then, after nine months or so. You're absolutely right. You just have to kill the father the day the child is being, uh, okay. being born. All right, See? there you go. There you go. So the other one is to, um, and you'll enjoy this. Okay. Thrust the child with the whooping cough, not the not the orphan. Of course. Maybe they're both the same one. <laughs> Maybe both. Yeah. Does it work if, if the kid with whooping cough doesn't oh. have a father? Can you use his own hair? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Really? Hey, yeah. These multitasking. Are, these are questions the long lost friend doesn't answer. Resourceful. Yes. Yeah. Thrust the child three times through a black bush, blackberry bush, silently. No, that's, <laughs> there's no such thing as that happening. <laughs> blackberry bushes have thorns, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. I was picking blackberries along our yard, and I was like, oh, no, like scratches all over. There, yeah, there's nothing silent about that. That's... Well, no, you have to be silent. You have to not speak. As you're thrusting this this poor child with oh. open cough, you have to be silent. Can the child scream? I would hope so. <laughs> it's probably going to be like a girl because yeah. of the whooping cough. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so those are some of the uh, the fun ones uh, that that I found. There's there's a lot. Some of them are just um, kind of like chanting uh, biblical type stuff. Some of them are you know ointments you make from various things. It's just it's it's all kinds of these different folk remedies um, brought into and, and sometimes mixed in with religion, which is exactly what we're, we're seeing from this. What a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Not to make fun of anybody's religion or anything, but I think we know that this kind of doesn't work, you know? Um, otherwise, it probably would have been incorporated, you know, it would have been tested scientifically at some point in time and been incorporated into modern medicine or, or even, you know, um, homeopathy or something yeah. like that. But but no, no, we don't, we don't have that. So... Yeah. So yeah, but um, Nelson was a uh, a pretty pretty prolific practitioner of powwowing. Did you enjoy that alliteration? That that was great. <laughs> it just that came was to fantastic. me. <laughs> um, yeah, he was taught at a young age, um, and he would have um, and some people preferred powwowers over medical doctors. Um, you know, it was just like. That, that that's what they believed in that more than they believed in modern science which i mean it's the 1920s yeah you know it's i would imagine by the 1920s it's kind of going 50 50 yeah because it's really only been the last hundred years that we practice medicine in a scientific way mm -hmm. you no know, even as far back as the civil war get shot in the leg cut it off yeah basically you know and i get it yeah pumpkin ball hitting it kind of shatters the bone and and what have you but yeah there is not a lot of not a lot of real medicine going on you know you had tonic salesmen and you had you had cures like laudanum mm -hmm. and here drink this mercury you know it's uh in, in fact lewis and clark um lewis and clark on their path, they ate almost nothing but meat, right? Mm -hmm. They all got terribly constipated. They had this this uh, medicine with them that they called thunderclap. Okay. It was f for constipation. It had heavy metals in it. Oh my gosh! Right. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I don't right. know why I'm surprised. They drank this, 
and then the next days shit themselves constantly. Oh, gosh. They could not move forward. There was so much metal in this medicine Uh. that to this day you can take a metal detector and find what is literally the biggest shitstorm in history. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah, and to me that's incredible. People were just fucking drinking metal. You yeah, know, heavy metals yeah. for constipation. There was one of the uh, the powwow uh, remedies I didn't mention for diarrhea, since mm-hmm. you brought it up. Um, of course, who else was going to? One ounces of each of the following. Tincture of rhubarb, tincture of cayenne pepper, spirits of camphor, and laudanum. And there it is. 10 to 20... I'm sorry, 10 to 30 drops a dose for an adult. Okay, modern powwow here. Scott the powwow. If you have diarrhea, sugar-free gummy bears. Mm. Just fucking trust me on this. The Haribo ones. Yeah. No, wait, no, no. No, that's if you're you're constipated. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Constipation. (laughs) If you have diarrhea, don't don't with the sugar-free. You will just, you will shit out your internal organs and I will laugh. And if you want some good laughs, go to the Amazon review page for those Haribo. I I don't know if I should be saying it, but it's well known. Yeah. It's like, it's mentioned all the time. If it's on the Amazon review page, we're not letting it loose with any big secrets. Yeah, there are some absolutely hilarious reviews. We could just make a podcast out of reading those. Just the Haribo. Yeah, it would be a hit. The sugar-free Haribo gummy bear podcast. (laughs) Yes. So... So yeah, um, there was also, it wasn't just folk remedies, there was also like curse detection and, you know, protection spells. And, and the, the book itself, The Long Lost Friend, was supposed to confer protection onto its owner. Right, it's some line in it is, I don't know if you have the line readily available, but essentially the line boils down to no harm shall, be, shall befall anyone who has a copy of this book on their person. Yes, yes, yeah. something along those lines. And uh it's called A Collection of Mysterious and Invaluable Arts and Remedies for Man, as well as Animals with Many Proofs. You know how everything had to have a subtitle that was like 10 million words long? Well, mm-hmm. John George Homan, who wrote The Long Lost Friend, did not stray away from that particular trend. He just grabbed it by the horns and ran with it. So Nelson, he's got people coming for his, his powwowing um, abilities and knowledge all the time, coming to the house just constantly. Um, and... His uh, wife, Alice, and uh, their two daughters, uh, Beatrice and Edna, sh- his wife was just like, I can't. I can't anymore with this. Like, you've got p- people coming day and night, and it's just nonstop. So she was like, I'm going to go over the hill, and I'm going to live in a house there. And so she did. And, you know, took the daughters, and so he was, he was living alone. But it was actually kind of funny in the, in the documentary on Amazon Prime that I watched. Um, they said that he, she would still do his laundry. <laughs> So they would just like meet on the hill at a prearranged time and exchange like his dirty stuff. He, you know, he he would bring his dirty laundry. She would bring his clean stuff that she'd washed and hand it over. My ex-wives don't do my laundry. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I've been chipped. Yes, I know, right? Yeah. Like, shouldn't that be in the divorce settlement? Yeah, absolutely. And no, it do should my not. Fucking laundry. It should not absolutely be in the divorce settlement. <laughs> you're only saying that because your gender would have to do more laundry. That is exactly the case, and also that's unfair. So, tit for tat, bro. Any, anything that gets my laundry done without me having to touch it, I'll just have to conjure Beelzebub again. You know, <laughs> again. <clears throat> I know you did just did the lawn, but give you an extra fiver for get my clothes clean. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, do you have any more on on Raymeyer that I haven't mentioned? Not really. Okay. Not really. Just it's 
Raymire is just an interesting character. I found so much more about Blymire than I did Raymire. Yeah, there's a lot more about um, Raymire. The one other thing I have is that there was said to be some socialist literature around his house. So maybe that could be something that people around him maybe didn't like so much. Bernie Sanders voter. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, John Blymire. Uh, he was... Uh, for some reason, I have that he's 23, but I don't think that's the case. I think he was in his 30s, actually, when this happened. So, let's do some math. He was born in 1894. This happened in, what, 23? 28. 28? So, he would be he would have been 34. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I think I, I maybe just transpose some numbers there or something. Um, tell me about John Blymeyer. So, he, too, born in York County. you got to remember, these were the days that you didn't stray too far. Mm -hmm. A lot of people lived in one town and didn't leave more than five miles their entire lives. You, you, you were just there. Um, the family and neighbors were primarily farmers. He was descended from German settlers. Blymeyer, his father and his grandfather... Also, both practitioners of Broca, powwow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, long line of powwowers. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it uses a ton of books, like you said, uh, in including the long lost friend, the sixth and seventh book of Moses, the Bible, the Romanus Bucklin, Egyptian secrets of Albertus Magnus. Mm -hmm. Ah, God, there's two books for you. <laughs> Add Ma them to your reading list. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So Blymar ends up studying powwow, and he. Gets pretty good at it. It seems like it, yeah. 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 So when the Blymares couldn't cure one of their own, they go eight miles away to... Rymeyer. You got which it. Which it seems like, which I feel like I'm pronouncing that wrong, Rymeyer. Um, it seems like from at least one or two sources, it was it was John Blymeyer who couldn't be cured. He had a, he was just continuously losing weight and, oh, yeah. and dropping it left and right. And, you know, they, he, he, they couldn't cure him, so they took him off to, to Nelson Rymeyer. Yeah, uh, Blymeyer first met uh, Raymeyer when he was five years old, suffering from something they called opnema, or opnema. I don't know. It's, it's a made-up disease, like rickets and cancer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll see. Give it a week or two. Science will catch up. The news will, sh the news will show, yeah. Yeah. So, Raymeyer takes young five-year-old Blymeyer into his basement and this is so fucking weird he uh looks him over brings him back up and he tells blymeyer's dad i want you to have your son urinate into a pot before sunrise not after sunrise before sunrise before sunrise that sun better not be up over the horizon mm -hmm. and you better be urinating into that pot exactly and I want you to take an egg and boil it in the urine. Oh, I bet their house smelled lovely. <laughs> yes, that's delightful. That's Move aside, Glade <laughs> air yeah. fresheners. Move aside, Febreze. We've got the new toddler air freshener. Piss. <laughs> and Boiling oh. toddler piss into egg. <laughs> <laughs> Are you hungry now? Oh, my God. Ugh. That is... Oh, my God. So... If you're thinking about doing this at home, if you need to gain some weight, may I suggest boiling the egg in your urine that you've collected before sunrise, punch three holes in the egg with a needle, and leave it on an anthill. Yes. The boy recuperated, which I think speaks volumes to the wondrous uh, belief 
in what I personally believe in, which is just, I think I'm going to get better, so I'll get better. It's kind of a placebo effect type absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And placebos, placebos are interesting themselves. I did a little bit of studying on placebos. Mm. Placebos are extremely effective. Mm-hmm. Science doesn't understand why. Science really doesn't understand mm. why placebos are effective even whenever the person getting it knows they're getting a placebo. Yeah, isn't that bonkers? Yeah. Like, you would think if it was some sort of, like, Jedi mind trick that your mind is playing on itself. You'd have to be lied to. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. But there is something about going, like, hi, this pill is made of sugar. You might as well be eating a Pez. You're better now. Yeah. What the fuck? It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed to, it seemed to work for John Blymeyer. Yeah. I think a sugar, you know, a piece of candy and tell him it was a pill would have been a lot better than having him boil an egg and piss, but okay. <laughs> tomato, tomato, I guess. <laughs> he, he recuperates. Yeah, yeah. And then he ends up, um, uh, by some accounts, working on uh, Raymar's potato farm and, and learning some, some powwowing at his, the very feet of the, the local master. Yeah. And at age seven, Blymeyer does his first successful powwow mm-hmm. on his grandfather, who, oddly enough, is having trouble urinating. <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't find out what his technique was. Did you find out no, what it I was? No, I did not. Oh, I hope it had something to do with an egg. <laughs> I hope it didn't have something to do with urinating, because that just makes That's... everything difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem is, I can't piss. <laughs> You've got to, for the sake of pissing. <laughs> So, and we know what the overactive bladder is, but we don't know what the underactive bladder is. Maybe you reverse burn a pig's bladder? Who knows? I don't know. You have to grow one. <laughs> yeah. From scratch. You have to blend it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, getting gross in here. It's, it's what a disgusting. So, so yeah, but uh, Blymeyer grows up and he kind of, he, he ends up kind of just wandering down a, a not-so-fun path. Um, you know, he's, uh, his... Wife, he marries, um, wrong page, marries his wife, Lily. Um, they have a few kids. The kids die, mm-hmm. as happened frequently, and uh, Lily ended up divorcing him. Yeah. Well, it was it was weird. Like, the, the lead up to Lily, though, too, Lily was almost a cure for him. Yeah. Because he was actually, as an adult... He begins to suffer from opnemia again mm-hmm. and insomnia on top of this. He's convinced he's hexed. And he needs to find the identity of the hexer to remove the hex according to powwow tradition. Um, he, he's working at this point in a cigar factory. He supports himself by powwowing, janitoring, odd jobs. He's 19 at this point and he weighs, this is, this is frightening, under 100 Jeez. pounds. Yikes, that is terrifying. Yeah, he's got pain. He has constant headaches. He's not, he wasn't good looking to begin with. He supposedly had a long pointy nose. He he was twitchy. He was nervous. Um, But he he had had some success before this in powwowing. Um, There... There was a co-worker named Albert Wagner. Did you read about Albert, Albert Wagner? No, 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 I didn't. So he has, he has two amazing successes as a powwow. Um, this co-worker comes in with a wheel on his right eye. 
a W-H-E-A-L, which is like a, a reddening in essentially what's happening to my side now, but yeah. on your eye. Ugh. So he had heard Blymeyer kind of rumors that he did powwow, and he goes over to him. So he tells him, I want you to bring me a dirty supper plate to work tomorrow. <laughs> he goes, okay. Next morning, Blymeyer presses the plate against Wagner's eye, babbles something, and then throws the plate to the ground and stomps it to pieces. Makes the sign of the cross three times and tells him, your eye will be better tomorrow. And it fucking was. Wow. <laughs> it, it fucking was. Um, in summer of 1912, this is the one. This is the one that kind of makes me go, oh, this is, this is a little creepy. They're charged by a rabid collie as they're getting out of work. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> this thing is foaming at the mouth. Blymeyer puts up his hand. Chance, something. The foaming stops. He pats the dog onto the head and it follows him home. Yeah. 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 It's and it's it actually kind of uh harkens back to our, our discussion of the Lower Quinton murders. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because there was some, some things said about, about him that he could uh, could really calm animals. So that seems to be a common theme we see when, when any sort of witchcraft or, you know, like any superstitious stuff yeah. is, is brought up is there's also there's always this calming of animals. Not always, but frequently. Yeah. So he ends up falling in love with Lily, his landlord's uh, 17-year-old daughter, they're married in 1917, and she is the cure. She is good for what ails him. He mm-hmm. starts to gain weight. He's he's sleeping well. And uh, here's the thing. Do do I think there was anything supernatural about this? No. Fucking builds up an appetite and makes you want to sleep. Yes. Yeah. I'm telling you this. It's exertion. <laughs> exactly. I'm telling you this right now. If you have trouble with insomnia, uh, if you have trouble with appetite... <laughs> I've actually, I've actually found it helps with high blood pressure. <laughs> Just fuck. <laughs> Just fuck. Find somebody and fuck them. And that with is... their consent. Yes, yes. Yes. And that is your old-timey, crimey medical tip of the week, folks. Fucking's good for you. <laughs> so, yeah, but the, the good times with Lily, they didn't, they didn't really last. Um, and uh, that led to some bad times. For, uh, for John Blymeyer. Yeah, he, he suffers, the, after the death of his second child, he suffers weight loss, the headaches come back, he loses his job. And mm-hmm. by 1920, he is consulting 20 mystics, and none of them help. Yeah. Except for Andrew C. Lenhart. Okay. A mystic so powerful that the local police were afraid of him. Oh. Right? He was known to advise his client clients to progress violent action against their hexers, right? It was said that only Satan could remove his curses. And hold up. Hold up. Wait a minute. Okay. You're going to love this one. All right. He had a fear of spectral geese. <laughs> well, who does Exactly. Geese are assholes. Spectral geese, ten times the asshole. Yes. So... He reads the book that we have been warned about. He sits oh. down for his first reading, his first and only reading of the sixth and seventh book of Moses. And he, this guy who is able to throw a curse that only Satan himself can remove, the guy that the police are going like, like somebody goes, hey, uh, Lenhart parked his car, you know, in the handicapped spot again. 
I, no. <laughs> no. No. Leave it be. Nope. Because nope. It, it, then it's just like if I if I put a ticket on this, it's going to be me that has to use the spot, and I won't be able to use it because he's parked there. <laughs> um. So he says, I was sitting at my home one night. Suddenly, a voice in the hallway called to me. I said, "Who is it?" And there was no answer. I started to read again. The voice called me once more. It was spooky. <laughs> Suddenly, in the silence of the room, I heard awful voices which sounded as if a flock of geese were quacking. <laughs> the, the horrible howls of the were-geese. <laughs> it was terrible. I closed the book, and the noises ceased. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which, you know what? That is be a weird thing to hear the, the chants of a thousand hell geese <laughs> echoing from your hallway as you read the sixth and seventh book of Moses. Um, so Lenhart told Blymeyer the Hexer was someone very close to him. Mm-hmm. Blymeyer instantly is convinced it's Lily. Oh. Right? So Lily is scared. L- uh, Lily's dad, dad gets a lawyer, and the lawyer gets Blymeyer examined, and he is found to be borderline psychoneurotic. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh. Quote, unquote, having witch delusions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Technically, if he cured rabies and, a, and an eye, yeah, maybe yeah. they're not delusions. But I think the, the having a hex on him was right. probably the biggest, you know, like that, that, that paranoia. Right. Now, we put a dollar bill down for a reason. Mm-hmm. I want you to keep the, the symptoms of psychoneurosis in mind. So the symptoms are, and the very last one, is going to be the most important one. Absolute despair. Okay, check. Unstable self-image. Check. Rapid mood swings. Check. Fear of abandonment and rejection. We're not really seeing it too much, but with the loss of two children, Mm -hmm. you know. Tendency towards suicide and self-harm. Not really with Blymire. Here's the one. Sometimes hallucinations. Uh Uh-huh. There it is. Yeah, sometimes hallucinations. Blymeyer's committed to the state hospital in Harrisburg and escapes on day 48 by using the amazing walking the fuck out technique. <laughs> yes, yes, you'll read about that. It's uh, it's on page 75 of yeah. the uh, the state hospital escape techniques manual. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's very, very detailed instructions on how you stand up, move your left leg and your right leg, repeat as needed until you're out exactly. of the hospital. It's really tricky because what happens is you have to balance on your right foot, fall forward a little <laughs> bit and catch yourself on the left foot and then repeat. Yeah. That process. Very tricky. Literally takes humans sometimes nine months to a year to learn how to do it properly. <laughs> and um, I have to tell you, I, I actually grew up in a town with a state hospital. Um, oh, yeah. Somerset. Somerset had a state hospital as well. Yeah. This was I mean, this was like, we had signs, don't pick up hitchhikers on, yeah. the, on the road, on the way to the mall. Which Jackson was, when he first visited the town, and I'm taking him to the mall. He's like, why do they have these signs? Like, you know, don't pick up hitchhikers. And I'm like, that. That building is why. Because if you pick up a hitchhiker, they might be escaped. And I think I mentioned in one of our first episodes, um, I think I mentioned it, our local um, escapee from the state hospital. Like, we knew that alarm. We knew the alarm when somebody had escaped. And the population was greatly decreased due to government measures um, in the 90s. But but yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting way of growing up because you get all these weird sort of very specified urban legends. But, you know, if somebody's 
cousins, aunts, brothers, roommate works up there and tells you these ridiculous, you know, tells them ridiculous stories. And you hear about, like, the guy who took too much acid. And I thought he was a glass of orange juice. That's the one. We had that one, too. It's so funny that that guy has been in every state hospital. Apparently it happens a lot. Don't put acid in your pocket. Yeah. So... <laughs> So yeah, I thought he was a glass of orange juice and he couldn't uh, lay down because he'd spill. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was definitely, uh, it could be, could be interesting at times. Like the, when the guy escaped and my dad ran out to my car before I could leave in his socks and he's looking in the front and backseat of my little tiny 87 Chevy Nova and I'm like, dad, what you doing? He's like, I'm just checking for people. <laughs> like, you, nobody, you can't hide in an 87 Chevy Nova. <laughs> it's like hiding in a smart car. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But thanks, dad. So... Well, the state hospital in Somerset still stands to this day. Yeah, the one in uh, in, in Warren is still around. Yeah. I, I don't know how many patients they have. I think it's greatly, greatly decreased, well, if any. They actually changed it over. It is Laurel Highlands Correctional Facility. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's the, it's the prison there. Ours actually a fun thing. It has, um, it's on both sides of the highway, or at least it was. The, I think that the building on the other side is disused now. But so there was actually a tunnel that went underneath the highway. Um... And I was uh, absent from school on the day that they took a field trip. Man! Field trips to the state hospital. That was a thing in the 90s. That was a thing. Can I tell a sick little story? Yeah. We, uh, we were told during our health class that we were going... This was... I was 16. Our health class was going to go see a body be embalmed. Oh, my. At the local, at the local funeral home. Oh, my gosh. Right? I didn't get to go, and for years, I couldn't figure out why. We'd been told we were going. Nobody told me. Nobody told me. Nobody nobody said anything that they went, and I, like at the end of the year, it had been a bad year, and I had forgot all about it until pretty much I was out of high school. Uh, 19, I was 19, and I kind of thought, I wonder what the hell happened that we didn't get to go to the funeral home like they said we were going to. And then it kind of hits me. My dad died around that time. Oh. And I've, I haven't been able to prove it, but I've always kind of wondered if they took the field trip to the funeral home <gasps> without me. No way. No way. No I, way. You know what? I don't speak to anyone from, from my class. But, I mean, we toured some sick shit. Uh, we toured Lo uh, Yoder's Locker Plant. And watch animals be slaughtered. Well, I, I know one Hans Schmidt would have loved yes. that field trip. <laughs> I am not shitting. Wow. And I, I had a hell? white, like I had a white golf cap that I would wear. And the, the smell of iron hanging in the air from the blood <gasps> stuck with me. Oh. Right? And I had, I, covering my mouth up, this is good podcasting, huh? <laughs> Excellent content. Yeah. I put the hat up around my face so that it, I could breathe through. And whenever I got out, there were two red dots <gasps> on the cap from where, like, just the blood in the air had caught. That is fucking horrific. Yeah. Okay, yes, I've got the no fucking thank you pocket. Yeah. <laughs> my pouch of no fucking thank yous. And I'm just going to... Take one out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hand it to you. Okay. And you can just go back to your past self and say to your teachers when they say, we're going to go to the, watch some animals be butchered. You can just hand it to them and say, here's this for you. No fucking 
Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> However, the chemistry classes and science classes were always great, like the because we always got the parts from Yoder Locker Plan oh, to God. to dissect. Oh, yeah, that's horrifying. Yeah, it is, and you know it's this kind of shit that made Lily divorce. <laughs> 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 Maybe not this exact shit, but shit like this. Lily divorces Blymeyer. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so he's. I don't think that helped him at all no. i don't think it helped him and so you know he's definitely he's one thing that gets me is he's blaming all of his problems the the health thing okay i can i can get it it can be helpful health problems can be very mysterious sometimes even now you know sometimes you can't find out what's wrong with you back then you know if you can't find out what's wrong with you and can't get it fixed or you've tried a, a bunch of different things yeah you want to blame someone or something but inability to like get a job Wife divorcing you. No, own your shit, you know? Yeah. Own your shit. Take responsibility. And, yeah, just, like, every every time, like, they would they would talk about him blaming the hexes and everything. And I get there's some, some mental illness here, so it's not, like, fully, like, him just being, like, oh, I don't want to take responsibility. But some of it had to be, you know, him just being, you know, like, oh, I don't want to take responsibility. Or yeah. I don't want to examine, have the self-awareness to examine myself closely enough to figure out what my role is in my troubles. Imagine you're Lily. You don't have a lot of I money. I not to. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. Lily might have been very attractive. We don't know. But imagine you're her. Okay. Yeah, imagine you're her. Not saying you're not attractive. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We'll look. You know? Okay. It's fine. She yeah. gave me this look. I'm like, okay, Scott, <laughs> the did, fuck? I didn't mean for that to sound so bitchy. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but your husband, it's already been a tense situation. You've lost two children. Yep. And now he's blowing most of his limited funds going to psychics that are telling him you're the problem. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a shitty position to be in. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. Can you blame her? No. No, not one no. bit. No. And it's, it's nobody's fault. Shit happens, right? We're not meant to have perfect, sparkling little lives. Yeah. And there are people out there that seem like they have par perfect, sparkling little lives. I've got a secret for you. Those people on Facebook that always seem to have things go right for them, they just don't tell you the shit yeah, that exactly. happens to them on Facebook. Exactly. I did something like that with my, my post from France just because I felt like I was just posting. It was, it's the, you know, the whole thing about everybody's social media life is a highlight reel. You know, mm -hmm. it's not the actual movie. Well, I'm posting all these, you know, wonderful pictures and experiences and everything. And I just felt the need to tell everybody, look, all right? Traveling can also be a bitch. Like, there's some really great stuff, but I also have the pictures that Jackson was taking of me when I was trying to figure out where the metro was from mm -hmm. a map at Charles de Gaulle. And I turned around and caught him taking the pictures. And there's two pictures of me. One of is me basically being like, what are you doing? And the other one is me being like, what the fuck are you taking pictures for now? Help me. Don't take... Oh, because you looked elegant. I don't look elegant. I've been on a plane for 10 hours. <laughs> I'm going to take a one week and just do nothing but Facebook posts of reality. Cat shit in front of the door again. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, there would be so many cat vomit posts on mine. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, nobody has a sparkling life, but there seems to be... And we, we catch uh, sight of this um, in... in other characters that show up this seems to be this this feeling of if other people are doing better than me there must be a reason that's related to magic and it can't be my fault i'm perfect yeah 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 that's that's the part or that it gets can't me just be dumb luck either yeah yeah shit happens shit happens i've lost uh, i've lost a job due to a miscarriage mm -hmm. you know i'm sorry shit happens shit absolutely happens i don't have any parents left i've lost my sister 
Shit happens. That isn't anybody that cursed me. That's just life. Being That's life. just life. Yeah. Right. Why, why did you know? Why did your dad die whenever you were sixteen? If he wasn't, if you weren't cursed, maybe it had something to do with the fact that my dad was born in nineteen eighteen. Yeah. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that my dad smoked most of his life. It's not somebody cursing you. Yeah. Plain and simple. So yeah. That was our little rant of personal Sorry. responsibility. No, 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 no. I was in it, too. I was yeah, in it, too. Yeah. Let's not apologize. Let's take responsibility, but <laughs> not enough. apologize. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, all this is happening. And then um, Blymeyer goes to yet another uh, mystic. or uh, she was. Uh, her name was Emma Knopp. Um, but she actually was more well-known as Nellie Knoll, the Witch of Marietta. <laughs> Uh, hops across the the Susquehanna River, and so this is he. This was in August of 1928. Um, he had six sessions with her for five dollars each, and I forgot to do the currency conversion, let's, so I'm gonna do it out. live here. We'll just ask Google. What was five dollars in 1928 money worth now? Here is information from Inflation Calculator. Seventy-four dollars and ninety cents. God damn! I need to become a bullshit psychic. Six sessions. $74.90 each. Yes. I could get that Unicron that I really want really good. Send donations to me for Unicron. <laughs> That's not what they're for, and we need to set that up anyhow. <laughs> so um, I want a Transformer that turns into a planet, but I need $600 to do that. <laughs> I mean, that's a normal everyday want. You exactly. Know? That's, that's... I, I love, uh, Chris, you want, want. <laughs> we want. had a discussion about wants and needs. Poor <laughs> yes. It's a want, Scott. Well. I feel like Christy is my mom this episode. <laughs> I can't be very maternal sometimes. Um, Blymeyer didn't just want, he needed to know who was hexing him. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess at the final session... Um, Nellie Knoll, uh, she put a dollar bill in his hand. There's the dollar bill. Mm-hmm. So, and, um, so she said, when you take the bill away, a picture of your tormentor will appear in your palm. George Washington! <laughs> You're long dead! How are you doing this to me? <laughs> so, um, uh, but, and it, what he saw was a picture of Remeyer. I wish I could have found a picture of Renmeyer because I was kind of thinking, how oh. close was his physical look to George Washington? Not very. Not very. I couldn't find one. Oh, really? There were yeah. a whole bunch in the documentary. Really? I yeah, didn't watch yeah. the documentary. I just oh, okay. did most of my research online at work. Well, I like it when our sources are different anyhow. So. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. Um, and so she tells him, Nellie Knoll tells him, all right, well, now you know the source of this. So in order to deactivate this curse... Here's what you need to do. You need to get a lock of Remeyer's hair, bury it. Different so- Some sources say six, some sources say eight. It really was, it was half and half. Um, feet underground, get his book of spells, his long lost friend, and burn it. See, this was the problem. This was the problem. Nellie Knoll selling this poor guy complete bullshit, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to sell somebody bullshit, you've got to do it in a way that it affects nobody else around them. Yeah. They're much... I want you to go out, take a stump, carve it into the best likeness of Raymire that you can, masturbate upon it, (laughs) bury it five feet and a half into the dirt, 
beneath an oak tree during a full moon. See, that sounds completely plausible. And nobody gets hurt. Nobody Everybody's gets hurt. Yeah. No, instead you're having him sneak into his fucking house and cutting a lock of his hair? No, just jizz onto a face log. <laughs> That's how you do it. That's not going to be the episode art. <laughs> Just hate to break it to you. <laughs> Damn it. So, so yeah. Um, and it's, he, he, he gets this information. This is August. Um, and he, he's got a couple of friends. Yeah. Right? He's got, uh, he is doing the Steve Harrington thing and being friends with a 14 year old. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Finished Stranger Things this week. Oh, what'd you think? <gasps> it was so good. Was, each, each season gets better than the one before it. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Great. I can't believe we have to wait however many years or whatever it is we have to wait. CGI people, get faster at your work. I Damn demand it. it. Damn it. Um, I'm very impatient. He meets 14-year-old John Curry. This poor kid, he's got a harsh childhood, an abusive stepdad, an apathetic mom, and his father had died when he was five. Yeah. So he's probably looking for a father figure and, oh, here comes Blymire. Yep. Curry believes himself to be hexed. And because misery loves company, the two become very close friends. And then Blymire had also um, powwowed uh, for Curry. He, he had powwowed some of, of John Curry's health problems away. So that kind of inspired this, this feeling of... I don't know if I want to say devotion, but that he owed him or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. like Curry owed Blymire. So See, just like Dustin having Steve's hair at the end of season two. Exactly. Yes. yes. The parallels are just everywhere. And you got to admit, I don't believe in sorcery or wizardry, but there is something magical about Steve Harrington's hair. Oh my God. There really is, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> you just can't stop watching it's it. fantastic. I was so upset with the hat for the first part of the season. I was like, take off the hat. I want to see the hair. And he actually says it when he says, hiding my best feature. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, actually, Curry had uh, left home to work at the same cigar factory where Blymire was working. And that's, that's where they met. So he's like, you know... 13, 14 year old, whatever, yeah. working at the cigar factory as as we do. That's all of our best childhood memories come from yeah. our, our job at the cigar factory. That sounds they? like a weird plot of Stranger Things season four. Like he gets a <laughs> Steve gets a job with Robin yeah. at the uh, at the local Hawkins cigar factory. <laughs> yeah. God, and Robin, by the way, I've gotta say this. Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke make a good looking kid. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah. Oh my god. I had yeah. no idea. My Think voice just went like way up to the ceiling. Yeah, I'm thinking that's right. I think it's Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's kid is the actress that plays Robin. Oh my god! Which now that you're thinking about it, can you see oh, it? Oh, I can absolutely see it. Right. Yes. And like like Ethan Hawke, like a very handsome man. Uma Thurman, very gorgeous. I bet their genitals just produce pure light when they fuck. <laughs> so would it be any surprise that like they would uh, like their offspring would be Robin? Fuck no. No, no, not a surprise at all. Yeah. So so yeah, Curry and you've got Curry and Blymire, and then we've got uh, Wilbert Hess, eighteen-year-old farm boy from uh, Leaders Heights, um, whose father Milton. Met Blymire and Curry during a streak of bad, bad luck. Lots of bad stuff going on for the Hess family at this point in time. You've got family members getting sick. They're losing livestock. Their crops are failing because they're like a dry spell. And they live next door to um, Wilbert's aunt. So uh, this is Ida Jane Strickler Hess. I feel from the name that she must have been a sister-in-law of mm. Milton. Um, I don't know that for sure. She was having it. Easier. It seemed like it seemed like she wasn't having nearly as much of a rash of a, a string of bad luck, 
and they were having a property dispute that wasn't going well. Um, Ida needed right of way from from Milton, and he, you know, in order to access her property, and he was denying her. So this is all. Um, you know, things are, are going badly between these family members. And so Wilbur's family, and especially um, Mrs. Hess, Alice Hess, uh, the, the mother, uh, she's, they started thinking, it's Ida. She's, she's, she's cursed us. And so they, you know, this is all, everybody's kind of like having these, these delusions of being cursed and constantly. Yeah, it's, it's very... It's almost like it's a catching mental disease. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like a mass hysteria going on and Blymeyer like Blymeyer is actually hired by the Hesses to go who's our hexer and he can't figure it out mm-hmm. so he secretly goes back to to Noel again who tells him guess what Raymar is the hexer of you and Curry and Hess I think Noel shares some blame here <laughs> I think Noel shares an incredible amount of the blame she really does so they decide they have to act. So um, the first night, it's uh, November 26th. This is shortly before Thanksgiving. Um, Clayton Hess, another uh, member of the Hess family, um, I believe is Wilbert's brother, uh, he drove Blymeyer and Curry down to Hametown, which is uh, a little ways from Hex Hollow. I, I love that Hollow. song by Lips Incorporated. <laughs> Is this a thing? There's Funky Town. Oh, Funky Town. Okay, all right. See, I didn't even know who... Whatever you said, took him down to Hametown. <laughs> took him... <laughs> Where do you think my ADHD-riddled mind is going to go? I just really wish that there was another syllable in Hametown so it sounded closer so that I could actually Hamey. sing it. Hametown. Hametown. There it is. So, yeah, they... Um, Clayton drives them down there. They walk to the hollow. They stopped at um, Alice Raymeyer's house first. They were like, where's Nelson? She's like, well, he's at his house. Go look at his house. We are divorced or separated or something. So they go over to his house. And take his laundry that I just cleaned with you. And it's important to note that this is just Blymeyer and Curry. Or semi-important, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, take his laundry with you. <laughs> save me a trip. And then on your way back, bring his dirty laundry to me. Save him a trip. Nothing like carrying an eight-foot-tall man's sweat-stained jockstraps. Yes, yes. Yeah, because that's that's the thing. Is uh, Nelson Raymeyer was pretty tall he was big yeah in the documentary they had one of his uh descendants holding up a pair of his pants next to him and i don't know how tall the descendant was but these pants went up to this guy's nipples practically yeah he was a big dude this dude was tall yes an incredible inseam yes yes <laughs> an incredible inseam that's my punk band <laughs> um so uh yeah they, they go, and Nelson invites them in. I mean, he knows Blymeyer. Uh, maybe he's seen Curry around. I don't know. They talk about powwowing. They talk about farming. And then it gets, starts to get pretty late. So Nelson, being the nice guy that he is, he say, why don't you just spend the night instead of, you know, trekking all the way home in the dark? And they're all terrified of him at this point. Yeah, yeah. Because they think that he's the source of all their problems. And But they, they, they pretty much, I think, just kind of have to say yes or something. Yeah. Or, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know why you would agree, to, or what you could ostensibly just say, "No, it's all right. I've got, I've got, you know, shit to do at home. I'll just, I'll just go, go home. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've got to get up in the morning and take care of the, the pigs or something. You know, get a bladder to take care of my bladder." Exactly. <laughs> and of course, Raymire the next morning, whenever they, they all spend the night, mm-hmm. and next morning he does 
every what every despicable sorcerer does uh, to his victims cooks them breakfast. Oh yes, yes, yes. Jackson is a well-known despicable sorcerer. I see. He is the breakfast king. He always makes breakfast for people after they spend really? the night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When people spend I... the night after parties, he makes breakfast the next day, and he's 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 beloved by it. We've had several of our friends have asked if they can adopt him. Wow. <laughs> see, here's the thing. In our group of friends, there's... You know how you always have that group of friends? You have the one guy that's the heavy, heavy, heavy drunk? Our group has the opposite of that. They have me, the guy who's weird but just doesn't drink at all. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. So I guess I've never had to spend the night. Yeah, you've never had a reason to, to spend the night. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. feel like i got to get drunk next time I'm here. <laughs> you got to get drunk and Jackson will make you breakfast the oh, next day. That's awesome. Damn good, yeah. So, um... So yeah, he makes them breakfast. Um, but but Nelson was a big man. I did see some sources say six two, but I'm not sure. Really, he was just a he was a big dude. He was he was um, you know pretty solid. I guess I would say he was he was a solid, hardworking potato farmer and powwower. Shaved Sasquatch. That's <laughs> it's on his business card. I see. <laughs> so um, so yeah, he's such a big man that they're like, I don't think we can take him. Just the two of us. I think we're gonna need some help. Um, so they go back um, to uh, the Hess house, and Blymeyer tells Mrs. Hess, she's like, well, we're going to need some help. So they send Wilbert along with them. <laughs> Just tossing your, your, your 18-year-old kid out to go and, and dispel a curse. You know, like, do your own bloody work. They, Jesus. I don't think Literally. They, yeah, I don't think they realized that it was going to end in murder. Mm, certainly not. But even yeah. so, still, it's like, why are you sending an 18-year-old out? To go try to get a lock of hair and a book from a dude, you know? Like, at, least, at the very least, the father should have gone. Yeah, at this point, though, I, I know this for a fact because my dad only went to the eighth grade. That was graduating time in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, so at this point, like, whenever you're 18, you're already four years into adulthood. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. yeah, in this particular point in history, in this particular geographic location. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're already four years into adulthood. My dad was a coal miner for four years at this point. Wow, damn. Yeah, I think my dad had probably been delivering milk for for a while at the age of 18, or he might have been already gone into the oil yeah. business, I'm not sure. So, um, so yeah, um, they send Wilbert along. So we've got Wilbert Hess, uh, John, no... Tim Curry. Nope. <laughs> Wilbert. Wilbert. Wilbert has John Curry and Blymeyer. Can't remember his first name at this point, but we've got too many characters. So, uh, yeah, all three of them, they trek off. Um, Hess, they, you know, his, his mom was like, go ahead and miss a day of work. This is more important. So, November 27th. Yeah, the, uh, November 27th, they stop at a hardware store, buy a rope, which is cut into 14 and a half foot lengths. Mm, I had different numbers. Really? I had that it was a 25 feet and it was cut into five, five foot lengths. Hmm. Yeah. That's weird. Okay. Well, we know how history gets kind of... Exactly. ...muddled over time. The three of them goes to Ray Myers Hollow and like some sort of wicked, magical James Bond villain, he invites them inside. It's like 11.30 at night. They yeah. actually had, like, the house was dark. They were knocking on the door. Ray Myers was uh, in bed. So he just opened up the window and, you know, was like, who's there? And Blymeyer was like, oh, hey, it's me again. I, we left something here, you know, so. Do I pee before sunset or after? <laughs> I can't remember. I was five. 
Do I need to burn the pig's bladder in the moonlight? Or was that not a request? Was there a time of day in there? I need specifics. Is it three holes in the egg or eight? I left my pig's bladder in there. I need that. <laughs> I you have, have a pee every hour. Do you, I lost my copy of The Long Lost Friend. Can I borrow yours? <laughs> there you go. Problem fucking solved. Okay, by the way... I love the color of your hair, and I would like to match my wallpaper to it. So could I just have a, a lock? I want to paint your house to match your hair. Come on. It's, it's a totally normal thing, right? Exactly. I think you... It's think, a compliment. Think about how stunning you would look coming out of a house that matches your hair. Yes, yes. It's an appeal to vanity, if nothing exactly. else. Exactly. So yeah, um, Remer lets them in. They start looking around and saying, where's the book? Where's the book? Where's your book? And Raymar's like, what book? He Blymire, damn well knew what book. Yeah, he knew, yeah. And Blymar's like, you know what book, and I'm going to need that book, and I'm going to need a lock of your hair. He didn't even try the, the paint alibi. Didn't even try it. Come on, dude. I don't, I, this would have went off without a hitch if I would have been involved. <laughs> Absolutely, as people many crimes would, still, would have. <laughs> people still would be alive because hindsight. Yes. So, yeah, it got heated. It got nasty. And it got violent. Mm -hmm. Quickly. Yes, very, very quickly. Um, Rommeyer turned to put some wood in the stove. And um, Blymeyer said, get him. And so they, they jumped on him. There was a... Blymeyer broke a chair over Remeyer's back, it, it, and then Curry, he grabs some wood from next to the stove, a nice big chunk of wood, and he slams it on Remeyer's head. Remeyer just goes completely limp and falls to the floor. Um, and the documentary suggested um, that what they think happened was the wood broke through his skull, the skull fragments lacerated his brain and caused a massive hemorrhage. Jesus. Yeah. Really, this only lasted about a minute. About a minute or so. I mean, it's see, three against one, even though he's a big guy. And, you know, it, it's, it's, he's outnumbered. See, the sources I have, it, I have have it lasting longer and a little bit more detailed. Okay, all right. So the story I got was all three of them, like they asked for the long-lost friend, Raymire plays dumb. Yeah. All three of them gang up on him, and they tie him using the rope. Oh, I've got purchased. that after they after they beat him. They, they tied him up. But, I mean... Yeah, yeah history. And unreliable sources, yeah. too. So, yeah, yeah, they, they tied his, his feet and his hands. And I actually have... Because I have the, the, the notation here about the five, five-foot lengths of rope, mm -hmm. I just wrote Y in big letters. Because I'm like, if you're just going to tie feet and hands, you only really need two pieces of rope, maybe one for backup or something? I don't know if you're really, like organized or really you know i i don't know yeah uh, you know and but why do you need five it seems strange it, but i don't know if that that number is correct um but yeah they were doing that to they, they brought they did bring the ropes the whole point of that was to get him so that he couldn't resist when they want you know went to cut his hair right right um but raymeyer they have him tied up raymeyer off then offers the book just untie me, and I'll give you the book. Oh, okay, all right. See, I have it happening after he yeah. got knocked to the floor. So they 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 say, okay, yeah. They untie him, and he throws out his wallet, and this pisses off Blymeyer to, and he attacks Raymeyer again. Yeah, because I did hear that he he it was suspected that he thought it was just a just a robbery, just a yeah. plain old robbery. Yeah, because it was known that um, 
um, Alice Raymar had gotten a, an inheritance from a relative of about $70,000, but that was in her name and right. she wasn't there. <laughs> so it was a thing where at this point, Blymeyer attacks Raymeyer again. They subdue Raymeyer and Blymeyer starts choking him with a length of rope. Yes, I do have the, yeah. the, the choking him. They, they tied, the, um, trying, to, trying to strangle him. Hess is kicking and beating him. Curry hits Raymeyer with a block of wood okay. three times. Okay, all right. And blood comes out of Raymeyer's ears. Ugh. And this is the point where he then he goes just limp. Okay. And Raymeyer is beat beyond recognition. And just after midnight, creepily, uh, Raymeyer passes away and Blymeyer says, Thank God the witch is dead. Mm-hmm. They ransacked the home to make it look like a robbery. Uh, took the incredible amount. Some sources say ninety-seven cents. Some sources say two dollars eighty cents. I also yeah, I saw three dollars. Yeah. Split it between the three of them. There's a haul, and um, I did have one source that said that uh, at this point they still needed to cut the hair, but it was all bloody from the the struggle and the the, the hemorrhaging and everything, and so nobody really wanted to. Um, so they were like, yeah, "Yeah." because the last thing after you've bludgeoned a man to death and choked him, you know, last thing you want to do is get blood on your hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want, that would be a step too far. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but nobody wanted to, and they were like, well, he's dead. The hex is gone. We're good. Whatever. So nobody knows if they actually managed to to do that, but it did did seem like they abandoned. It's not like we heard anything about them finding the long lost friend book or anything. I'm sorry. Death does not stop curses. Plain and simple, because, hey, King Tut. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, death doesn't stop curses. You fucked up. Yeah, so... In uh, more ways than one. Yes, in several, several ways. So they decided, well, we need to make sure that, you know, nobody knows that it was us that did this, so what does everybody do when they're in this situation? They want to burn the house down. Mm-hmm. So they figure, we'll just set the body on fire you know, sprinkle some gas around, some kerosene from the lamp or whatever, and burn the house down. Um, one source said that they, they walked out, looked back, and they thought they saw Remeyer walk moving in the flames, which is probably not the case. Because yeah. <laughs> A, um, probably dead. Yeah. B, was probably still tied up. It's not they were like they were like, oh, well, he's dead now, so we can untie him. No, they probably just left. The, so how would he, you know, but also there's the superstition and the woo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Woo surrounds this. Oh, Woo definitely surrounds this because the house didn't burn down. And there's a whole explanation. I don't know if I I necessarily buy it just because it seems weird. There's a whole explanation that one of the descendants gives in the documentary how he, like, the, the floorboards burned and he fell through them, but he didn't fall all the way through them. He got stopped on like a potato bin or something and a, and a, a floorboard joist, something along those lines. Going back from last week's episode, you know, pork chops and potatoes. Because we know the smell of a human body burning. Don't ruin potatoes for me. Pork chops and potatoes. I bet that was a great smelling fire. Oh, you want to make it worse? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this, uh, there was a note that... Uh, it, the theory was, and again, I don't really buy this, that his fluids uh, put out the fire. <sighs> like, that's mm. gotta be a lot of blood. Mm. I don't buy it. Unless they like only like just kind of 
splashed or sprinkled him with kerosene, and there was enough enough fire to actually burn through the floorboards. I don't... Yeah. I mean, I don't think there was anything supernatural going on, necessarily, but I don't think that his... You never hear about, like, somebody's blood putting out a fire. That's just... It's not a thing. If anything... I don't know what the fat content of blood is, but at anything, if anything, like the fluids that come out of a body would act more like a fuel, I'd think. One would think, yeah. Yeah, if, especially if you got it in the wick, like the, what's called the wick effect, where a body will burn completely at an extremely high temperature because like a piece of clothing caught on fire, mm-hmm. but the person's... Melted fat actually seeps in, and it acts like wax through a candle. Oh, the places we go on this podcast. Isn't it glorious? I hope my face doesn't freeze like this. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. We'll have to make the cover art something. Yeah, it's just, just your me, face. Like, going, mm. And you, we, we're not going to describe the face. You already know what it is. Yes, you're making it right, right now. now. Just go look in a mirror. So, yeah, the house didn't burn down, which people, of course, attributed to witchcraft or God. It's funny because you had um, uh, t- you had also some of Blamire's relatives mm-hmm. in this documentary. Um, and so you had, right after, as they're talking about the house burning down, you have um, Blamire's, uh, not a direct descendant, but like a, you know, grand nephew or something along those lines, saying... Something like, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, like people, you know, like it was it was probably witchcraft. And then you have one of Ray Meyer's descendants being like, maybe it was God. <laughs> it's like maybe God's a witch. It's, it's you know, we're maybe. all praying to Dumbledore. Interesting little factoid. The kitchen clock stopped at 12.01 a.m. Of course it did. But it could have stopped at 12.01 a.m five days ago and he just never got around to fixing it you don't know it's not like there's dates on like there's probably wasn't a date on this clock i'm just saying uh, this is just me i'm five foot five if i was six two i would i would be able to reach so many different more things and I, <laughs> i'd change batteries and clocks and shit yeah. <laughs> more often than what i do well well i, I mean yes Rimmer doesn't have the excuse of being too short to, <laughs> to change the batteries so so yeah november 29th it's thanksgiving um, a neighbor of Remar's, David Vanover, he, uh, he's had his Thanksgiving dinner. He walks out and he notices that Remar's livestock's being kind of noisy. So he goes over and he feeds and waters the livestock. Good neighbor. And then the mailman comes along. I don't know why the mailman's delivering on Thanksgiving. I mean... I guess it was a different time. It was a different time. We didn't... We certainly don't have people, force people to work on Thanksgiving now. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, right? <laughs> So the mailman says... I worked says, on Thanksgiving. Yeah, there you go. Mailman says, the mail's kind of been piling up. He hasn't been collecting it. And so that definitely was a tip-off, that something was awry. So Vanover goes and grabs another neighbor, Oscar Gladfelter. His name I just love for some reason. <laughs> and they go over, and they see Remire's burned body on the floor. The ceiling and the walls are blackened with, with from the smoke and the fire. And it's just, it's horrifying. And so he runs over to Alice's house and he says something's horribly wrong with Nelson. And something's gone horribly wrong at Nelson's place. And that had to be, you know, like just because she left the guy didn't mean she didn't have feelings for him. Right. They just, their lifestyles were incompatible. I would say not so much with my first wife. If something would happen to my first wife, I'd probably just go, good. Hmm. But with my second wife, like if something... Like if if I heard something would happen would have happened to her or or 
would happen to her? Yeah, I think even though, you know, things didn't end great and we haven't talked in a long time, no, I'd be hurt. And yeah. If, if she would call me and ask for help, I probably would help her. And she, you know, that Alice Remar was to the point, she was still doing his laundry, yeah. like, every week or something yeah. like that. So, so yeah, that's, I, I feel very sorry for her. I feel sorry for Remar. Um, so, um, the funeral is on December 5th um, at the church, and the crowd is so big um, that there's not enough room inside. So they had to have two big furnaces, two big like stoves running uh, so that they could open up the windows so that people out, standing outside could hear Holy the services. hell. Yeah. Wow. Right? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so then Alice, she makes the connection. She makes the connection between the visit she had from Blymeyer and Curry and what's happened. And she goes and tells the police. So the police, they go to Blymeyer and Curry. They say, did you have anything to do with this? And they're just like, yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Blymeyer confesses proudly. Yeah, yeah. Unapologetic, proud. Yep, he says, we, uh, Remeyer was a witch. She hexed us. We had to kill him. It's, that's we, we did what we had to do. See you tomorrow, officer. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Just say no. <laughs> but, but, you know, it saves some time, saves some money. How you many know, how many of these crimes save some of the taxpayers' dollars? How many of these crimes though would people have gotten away with if they just would have kept their mouth shut? Especially, you know, like when, when technology it's not like they could find like their DNA. They might have right. been able to maybe find some fingerprints and fingerprinting technology was and palm printing was kind of working its way through then. But yeah. Yeah, they they all um, and then eventually they they you know Hess got caught up to and they all three were confessed and were put into into jail, which you know is as it should be. Mm-hmm. And so then there were the trials. I love it, Judge Ray P. Sherwood. Yes, yes, I know Judge I, Sherwood. He probably spoke more like me. Because, you know, Pennsylvania, but I like to think he was a boy from the South. Yeah, I feel too. I'm gotten to none of this here woogie boogie witchcraft bullshit, and I'll have none of it in my courtroom. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. He said, none of this witchcraft I, evidence. I don't think he exactly said oogie boogie, boogie witchcraft bullshit. Probably not. Bullshit. Probably not. Probably not. I hope. Thing. I hope. If there's anybody I want to be reincarnated from, it's Judge Ray P. Sherwood of my imagination. <laughs> yes. So there are three separate trials. They're all very brief. Um, Blymeyer's is January 7th to 9th. Uh, he had uh, pro bono counsel. Uh, future state attorney general and state Supreme Court uh, justice Herbert Cohen, and who tried to mount an insanity defense. But in order to mount that, you have to bring in the hex stuff, which Judge Sherwood said... <laughs> exactly. And so when Clayton Hess, the, the brother who gave them the ride, he testifies, the word witch slips out. <gasps> and rather than say strike it from the record, he probably did say strike it from the record, but the... Um, Hang him! Yeah, Cohen basically like argues, no, 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 it's been said. It can't be undone. And so they it basically opens the door for the insanity defense. Um introducing the, the idea of powwow, hexes, curses, and, you know, Ramar was a witch, and or he thought he was a witch, and all that. Didn't work. <laughs> Convicted uh, of uh, first-degree murder and got life in prison. Somewhere Margaret Murray shed a single tear. <laughs> I know, right? Why can't I talk about the witches? <laughs> Good old Margaret Murray. She was probably like, 
<laughs> lurking outside Sherman's house, like, damn you, Sherman! I just picture, like, peeking over a wall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're gonna say it. <laughs> Good old Margaret Murray. They're gonna say it. So He said it! <laughs> when uh, the conviction comes through, and the sentence comes through, Blymeyer turns to his lawyer, uh, Cohen, and he says, The witch is dead. I can eat and sleep in peace now. But I think they went a bit strong. Jesus Christ. You killed a dude! And the thing is, Blymeyer, this kills me, Blymeyer could have had a good life if he would have said seven words. There are seven words he could have said, and I can almost guarantee that he would have had a good life. If he would have turned to Lily, and, and like whenever they're both, they lost two children, mm-hmm. if he would have said and lived up to these seven words, I love you, it will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. He would have had a great life. Yeah. Instead of saying, I think it was you. Mm -hmm. The witch told me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You're a witch because the other witch told me. Do you hear yourself talking right now? Yes. Do you, have you listened to yourself? Maybe, are there tape recorders right now? Because I'd really like you to record yourself Mm -hmm. and then listen to it later and just review what you said. 1923 is just Edison in the next room cranking (laughs) and putting his finger up to his lips and going, shh. 28, I have to correct you on that. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, So then there's the uh, trial of Curry. This is January 10th and 11th. So they're steaming full steam ahead. They're steam, steam, steaming full steam ahead. (laughs) That's a thing now. Um, And uh, he also had pro bono counsel. And uh, so his defense was that Curry was a victim of social neglect and parental abuse, which was true. But in that, uh, they basically, the trial was on the 10th. On the 11th, the jury came back and said, nope, first degree murder. Life for you, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Hats. Um, let's see. Curry's the youngest, isn't he? Yeah, yeah Curry's, Curry's 14. Yeah. Maybe Hess Hats. is 18, I believe. Yes. Maybe 19 by this time. Possibly, yeah. So January 11th and 12th. The, the, his trial starts the same day that Curry is sentenced. <laughs> steam, steam, full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, He's the only one with a non-pro bono uh, lawyer. Tries to kind of set Hess up as this sacrificial lamb who had to save his family, you know, and and brings all these biblical references into it. It's really interesting what ended up, because his lawyers were afraid that all the momentum from the previous trials, like, you know, you've just had two trials in the same week. All this momentum is going to affect the case, and, like, everybody's already going to be against him because they've already heard all this this testimony. Keeping up with the train metaphor, it's hard to stop a moving train. It is. He managed to slow it down a little bit. Yeah. He got, uh... Um, murder, second degree, 10 years. So I guess the real lesson here, you know, if you're going to take anything away from this is hire a lawyer instead of getting one pro bono. I guess so. Yeah. 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 So, um, some footnotes on these guys' lives, uh, after the whole thing. Uh, Blymeyer served 23 and a half years in Eastern State Penitentiary around Philadelphia. That's not life. That's not life. I know, right? He was released in 1953, uh, worked as a night watchman. There was an interesting story from Blymeyer's nephew. Um, apparently, Blymeyer visited his brother, so Blymeyer's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, they went for a walk. His brother came back and told his son, so Blymeyer's nephew. I'm sorry if this is getting confusing. No, it's no, no. Weird, the different perspectives of relations. So, said, uh, that man would do the same thing today. There's no change. Wow. So, and then... Um, he died in 1972, age 78. He actually lived the longest out of the three of them. 
Um, and uh, no one in the family went to the funeral. They all refused to be pallbearers when asked. They had to grab people off the street. <laughs> you you want to you want to lift a dead killer? <laughs> yeah. And a note. Give about, me a quarter. Interesting uh, note about Blemire. Um, there was another murder about one year prior to the Remire murder. Gertrude Rudy, sixteen years old. Do tell. She was found on the railroad tracks, shot with a shotgun at close range. She. she used to go to uh, Blymeyer's place. She was seen going in and out of his place, and the rumor was that he got her pregnant and did away with her. The judge even brought this up in the trial, said, uh, you know, like, I, I, I hope you didn't have anything to do with the, the Gertrude Rudy thing, and he starts, you know... I don't know. Blymeyer starts crying, and the judge is like, if I find out it was you, you get the chair. And it was a little unclear in the... Uh, in the documentary, but it seemed like that shotgun uh, either belonged to Blymeyer or to his brother or something. It's it, the, the shotgun that they suspect was used in the murder, and but the murder is still to this day unsolved. So, really interesting. Uh, kind of, you know, maybe this wasn't his first kill. She yeah. was sixteen, and he was thirty-one. I know we've had the age yeah. difference discussion, and it, it, you know, it, it's 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 fifteen years. I get it, but she was sixteen. Yeah, and he, yeah. So, I mean. So yeah, um, so that was Blymeyer. Um, See, you said he worked as a night watchman. Well, that's I, what I have. I had janitor. Oh, okay. Well, probably probably a little bit of both. Both, both yeah, both nighttime gigs. Yeah. I could see it. Oh, and I saw a caretaker of a church somewhere, too, I think. I think that was for him. I could see it being a thing of like, well, you know, you're expected to clean up around here, too. Yeah, yeah. That could, could just be part and parcel with the gig. Right. Yeah. So um, Hess served his full 10 years. Um, he worked as a chain electroplater, retired in 1970, died 79 at the age of 65. Curry had an interesting follow-up. He didn't have much long, too long to live. He died at 49, but he was paroled after only 10 years. Hmm. Um, 10 years of a life sentence. Um, he joined the military. Did you know about this? I did not. Yeah, I was, I was fascinated by this. He was on, um, Eisenhower's staff. He was what? part of yes. He helped um, draft the Normandy invasion plans. The fuck. Yeah. Yeah. How did he die? Um, I I, I think it was uh, some sort of like a heart attack. Okay. Um, but he had learned to paint in prison, so um, after he was in the military and everything, uh, he had a farm and he became an artist. There are people in the area who have sat for portraits for him and they have their portrait made by convicted murderer Curry hanging in their house. One of them was in the documentary. It was crazy. He was pretty that good too. Yeah. Is incredible. Isn't that nuts? That is. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to watch this documentary. I do more of the written word. I think you do more of I the... mostly do too, but this time I, I felt like I, I, I wanted a, just a change of pace, you know? Right. So, right. so yeah. So yeah, that, um, um, do you have any more on the three of them or any more on Fremire? That's, that's all I just that have, I have a couple of little footnotes yeah, before I just, we move on to our palate cleanser. I just have the sentencing, what they got. I got they paroled, uh, released in 56, worked as a janitor, all were found guilty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, didn't really have too much. I just kind of like assumed that they fell into obscurity. And yeah. boy, was I fucking wrong. It's weird. Yeah, the, the documentary goes into this. It was, it was a good uh, 20 minutes or so at the end. I'm going to watch this probably tonight. And you get to see a lot of good um, 
you get to see the locale, you mm-hmm. get to see location. Um, it feels very Pennsylvanian. The people look very Pennsylvanian. I don't know what it is about us in Pennsylvania. We just have a look. We do. <laughs> we do. Um, and we're walking cubes of flesh. Yes. And uh, you get to see. There was also a, a local um, guy who did a lot of artwork for it. Like uh, you know, so very very good, excellent artwork. It's it's well done, and it, you get to like hear from different relatives of of the various players in this you know pretty horrifying incident. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I would, I would recommend it. It's, I think it's just called the Hex Hollow Murders, um, on Amazon Prime. So, yeah, just a couple side notes. Um, uh, Hex House was restored and opened to the public in 2013. And so you can tour it. Uh, you can see they actually, the place where he fell through the floorboards, they have that, like, covered in glass, so you can look down through it. They have the clock stopped at 12.01. They have some of the, the things that they found in that house, like some dollar bills and a, a letter addressed from the state legislature or something like that. It's really interesting, just the odds and ends that they, they picked. Um, I think you actually have to take a hayride there, because there was a whole thing in an article about how they were having trouble getting, like, the zoning permission and everything probably because parking would be really difficult and so they actually yeah they have the footage of people taking the hayride to the um <laughs> that is I, we've got to go do that i absolutely yeah, yeah we've got to so go fun. do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um and uh the case was the subject of a 1988 film called Apprentice to Kill starring Donald Sutherland no <laughs> right who did Sutherland play oh i, I actually didn't look it let's, up let's find this out let's find this out yeah Starring Liam Neeson as Ray Meyer. <laughs> okay, Apprentice to Murder actually is how it's coming up. I must have written it wrong. It's oh, how okay. it's coming up on IMDb. Um, Apprentice to Murder. They really... Donald Sutherland, Chad Lowe. Um, I guess they, they probably... They've changed names. So Donald Sutherland plays a guy named John Reese. I would imagine um, that that would be more of a... That would be like the Nelson Ray Meyer. Um, yeah. Of, of the... Um, Okay, so the the uh, synopsis of this is fire and brimstone preacher sees Satan everywhere. So I guess that would probably be him. They they turned it around a little bit. They changed some plot elements. Um, train, fire and brimstone preacher sees Satan everywhere. Trains gullible young boys to detect evil, and the two of them commit several murders in the name of Jesus, based on a true story. Ah, uh, that kills me. That kills me that they changed it around. So fucking much. Yeah, they did, really, didn't they? They changed yeah. it around quite a bit. It would still be interesting to watch. But the, the, the biggest offender I have is uh, there's a movie called Fire in the Sky starring oh. D.B. Sweeney, which is about this uh, gentleman named Travis Walton. Mm-hmm. And I think this was around 1960, 1970s. Travis Walton and his buddies go out into the woods. They're lumberjacks. They go up to where they're clearing out some trees. Mm-hmm. They see a UFO. Okay. Travis goes out to look at it. They're freaking out. A light strikes Travis, throws him back 30 feet. The rest of them freak out and go away. Okay. They're, the police are convinced his friends committed the murder, and they're just doing this weird story. Mm-hmm. Right? Five days later, Travis Walton shows up wandering the roads naked. Mm-hmm. And he, they, they take him in. They don't let him see any of his friends. They treat him. And they go, what happened? He goes, UFO came down, struck me. I woke up on the UFO. There were these insect things looking at me. I freaked out. They walked out. Humans walked in. And we talked for a while. And then they let me go. 
in the movie, Travis Walton, like, goes into this craft, and he, like, there's these nightmare creatures <laughs> there, and he, like, rips things open, there's a human skeleton inside one of the pods, and he's screaming, and they're putting rubber over his face, and ah! If Travis Walton's story is true, mm-hmm. and I kind of believe it is, if it's true, he has had an experience like nobody else on this planet has ever had, maybe ever will have, mm-hmm. Hollywood had to change it. Oh my God. <laughs> Why? You see what I mean? Yeah. So I'm saying if Travis Walton's story isn't safe, no one's story's safe. There might also be the issue of uh, living relatives you know, um, could possibly claim defamation. Uh, so, you know, I don't know how that works. If... Of the aliens? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the Rimmeyer. <laughs> oh, that's the, the, true. The Donald Sutherland movie. That's true. So you could have, like, you know, some of Blymeyer's, you know, even if you... I, I think you'd be safe if you just changed the names and a couple of details. Like, instead of Pennsylvania, it takes place in Iowa or something like that. But, yeah, so... Hotbed of hotbed of powwow, Yes, Iowa. yes, Iowa. Well known for all the powwowing that goes on there. <laughs> So, all right, so we ready for a palate cleanser? Let's do a palate cleanser. Okay, this is from a website called thelineup.com, um, an article by Andrew Niederman. It's uh, about Kate Boyd Taylor. Um, so she... Now, how hot was this woman? Uh, I, don't, I don't really know. There's not any pictures of her. Damn, um, so she's whatever I wanted her to look like. <laughs> exactly, there you go. Yes. So, uh, 1906, um, she was basically kind of just tossed at uh, Orson Taylor, a man 15 years older than her, as a, as a she's a young woman. Um, he'd already lost his first wife, um, and uh, he was, <laughs> he lost her to typhoid fever. I'm just going to quote this from the article. Everyone said he was too mean to catch it himself. Even germs were afraid of him. Jesus yeah. Christ. So he had a farm. Um, this is, took place in uh, Hurleyville, New York, or just outside of it. Um, and uh, so... They, uh, she was, it's, it says that she was a comely, quiet, and bright young girl. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, her, her dad basically, you know, was like, we're poor, I gotta get you out of here so I have one less mouth to feed, and sent her out. So they married in June of 1906, Kate Boyd and Orson, Orson Taylor. Um, and life was not good. Um, he was, she basically had to both do the housewife duties and do all the dairy farm stuff. He basically treated her as, you know, free labor. I imagine she's probably part-time punching bag as well. Yep, 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 you are correct. Um, people said she was, quote, a woman who aged years in months. Jesus Christ. Exactly. So, um... Orson, you know, when he went missing, nobody really noticed because he wasn't really, you know, a big part of the community. It, um, Kate's father actually said um, he went to the police, not because Orson was missing, but because of Kate's bruising on her face and her neck. Um, so eventually uh, um, a police chief came to the property and Kate's like, well, Orson went and he visited a cousin in New York City. And the police chief's like, eh, I don't think so. So he came back with a county detective. They found part of Orson's body in a crate in the backyard. Um, Kate said, well, I stabbed him in his sleep and I've just been slowly cutting up his corpse and baking it in the wood stove. Which, um, so she ended up getting guilty of first degree murder. um, And uh, everybody was like, why would she, why 
not bury him, you know? Like, that's a lot easier than dealing with, you know, like, cutting up a body. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much of a palate cleanser this is, but it's 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 sort of the grim funny. I'm almost um, I'm almost okay with this woman killing this guy. Exactly, though. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, um, he kind of asked for it. She wrote from prison to one of her sisters and said, quote, that said that she wanted, quote, Orson to go up in smoke and not pollute the earth, unquote. Oh, that's beautiful. It kind of is in a sick way so um, i'd go out on a date with this woman yeah <laughs> yeah yeah she can take care of herself absolutely so uh to this day uh people still say whenever the breeze picks up and a little wind kicks across the landscape they still say i think that's orson oh man so there's your very grim palate cleanser and uh yeah. I tried to find more on that one because I wanted to do a full thing yeah. on it, but that's the thing with the the palate cleansers is are you're like oh, I have this one source with a small you know short article and that's all I got so yeah, it works as a palate cleanser exactly sort of um, so uh, quick shout outs one to Spinecrafter thank you very much for the review on Stitcher and another shout out to a new user. Here we go. All right. Uh, a new follower on Podbean. I want you to put your Captain Midnight decoder rings to B23. Yes. And you're going to hear a secret message from our new user. <laughs> NZK10382323. Two three eight one six zero six five five zero six three three seven zero, and yes, I know it sounds like this is like some sort of a bot or something, but I don't think they have those on Podbean. It's just a person who follows a lot of good podcasts, and we're one of them now. Plus, he's got a puppy. Exactly. Oh, that's a cute puppy. That is a cute puppy. I was so distracted by the username that I didn't even notice the puppy. That's got to mean something. That number has to mean something. Oh, uh, let's not try to delve into this. We don't. We, some mysteries just shouldn't be solved. It's let's... not a credit card number. Because <laughs> that's either three, four, five, or six. All right, stop <laughs> it. So, all right, I think we're I think we're done. I think so. I think we've we've deluged you with enough interesting information that you're you're probably good to go, and uh, we feel good to go. And uh, take it from us, own your shit. You're not hexed. Yeah. Do us a favor. If you do feel like you're hexed, uh, visit us over on the Reddit sub form. We have the cure. We have several cures for hexes. What you do is you first go over to the Reddit sub form and post on your favorite episode. Then come on over to Facebook. Like us there. Join our group. (laughs) Check out the Twitters. Leave, and this one's very important, leave us a review. The hex will not be lifted without the review. And it must be five stars. Four stars and you'll be cursed forever. (laughs) One star and your dick will fall off. (laughs) Unless you're a woman and then you will grow one. (laughs) Unless that's what you want. We don't judge you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. We're very unjudgmental with our curses. We pride ourselves on it. Absolutely. We make sure that you get exactly what you don't want whenever you have a curse. Precisely. Did you sacrifice the chicken? Yes. Oh, awesome. Done. (laughs) <laughs> nice. I've been a busy girl, Scott. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Any big plans for this week? Um, uh, going to the in-laws tomorrow um, because, A, my, my mother-in-law, she's had a cast on her, her arm for several weeks now, and she's starting to get kind of down, so we're going to have a little pick-me-up. And, B, they have a pool, and it's going to be hot oh. as... Uh, 
a doorknob in hell. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's going to be brutal. So at least for one day, we'll be um, in a pool. I swear, I'm just going to like get out of the car, strip down to my bathing suit, and just like try to go, hi, hi, in-laws, nice uh, to see you. Yes, but that, that, that over there, I need to be in that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can make you feel better from here. Yes. That's a real bitch about the cast. You can't get in the pool, isn't it? <laughs> so how about you? Me, uh, my number one priority, get healed up. Yes. That is my absolute absolutely. number yes, yes, one yes. priority. The cellulitis ain't no fucking joke. So, yeah, get healed up. And then number two, I'm going to look into just a couple alternate revenue streams. Nothing illegal, <laughs> but maybe maybe sell a few things on eBay and maybe uh, maybe do I don't know if you've ever heard of M turking. Yeah, yeah, you know. I introduced you, you to it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so Amazon has this great program where if you've got some free time, you can make a little bit of extra cash on the side. I might hit that M turking thing because Hasbro is putting out a $600 transformer mm. and August 31st is the last day I can order it. Me needs it. <laughs> Wants it. <laughs> Christy is yet needs. Christy is yet to see my Transformers collection. I have yet. We're gonna have to make a, make a special episode when I finally see it. Yeah, like just my reaction. The, record it. <laughs> the last people who came over to my house to see it, they they walked in. The one guy went, "You do realize you could charge money." Hmm. have people see this this is like a museum you're talking about revenue streams there it is Bingo. i could get more transformers by charging people to see the transformers i already have exactly modern problem modern solution <laughs> all right well thank you so much for listening we hope you have a great week we had a fun time and we hope you did too so from all of us here at old timey crimey have a great week guys and you're not cursed you're just <laughs> stupid see ya I'm going to go sacrifice another chicken just to make sure.